Revisited returns this season with a special chapter dedicated to the third chapter of my podcast, The X Factors. My ex-wife sits down to explain her side of our story and how we have come to the place we are today. How do you rebuild and refocus your life in a healthy way and find purpose after divorce? This very open and honest chapter of Coleman on Purpose begins right now. Welcome to another Coleman on Purpose. This is a revisited chapter of Coleman on Purpose. It's not really a chapter, but it's a revisited. I did these last year and I really enjoyed doing them. I have a very, very special guest here for the very first time. This is my ex-wife, Lauren Coleman. And I told you guys I was going to bring another guest on here that would be able to tell a little bit more of not only my story, but her side, because a great portion of my life uh, was with the woman that's sitting right next to me today. And um, we're going to talk about and get into a lot of things today, Lauren. So I hope you're ready. Yes, I'm ready. To talk about all of these things and do all this. I think the last time we were on camera was like, on a YouTube video or something like that way back in the day. So this is the first time, but I'm excited uh, to have her here because every part of my life and everything that's led up to now has had very important people in my life. And there's been very uh, big, big stepping stones in my life that have always built up to what I do now and who I am today. And so I attribute that to many of the great people that were in my life. So it would not be even right if I did not have her on here. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing to have you. So we'll get into this right now. So let's start with how we actually met one another. Okay. Um, I think it was, uh, it was back in 2003. I had met you a couple of the leaders of our church that we were attending at that time they had had a dinner after church and they had invited all of us like young college age type kids there. So, you know, we just went everywhere together. And so I happened to go to this dinner and I see this new face and I'm like, who's this dude? (laughs) So, and I remember one of the leaders of the ministry um, had introduced us and she had wanted us to exchange phone numbers just to befriend each other. Um, because I had been going to the college already for almost four years. So I was kind of, you know, acclimated to the campus and different things like that already. So I was just ready to kind of just befriend him, take him under my wing. He was new to campus, new to the, actually new to the city as well. So, yeah. So, I do remember that. I remember uh, our our church and how involved uh, we both were with church at the time because I come from uh, my church in Dayton and they kind of linked me up with this church here like a sister church. So I was um, I can definitely remember that time and how like my life really did change when I met you and everyone else that was there. Like my, my life totally changed because I had a community. I had people that I could be around. I had family. It was like we were together all the time. When I say all the time, all the time. What they call us with the three. We had the three musket. Well, the four amigos, three Mm -hmm. musketeers. It was all of us. Like we we really stuck together and we did so much together during that time. But it was great at that time to be around family, to have someone you could go over to after church with and be with all the time. And that was, that's really how I think we became close over that time. And, and we, we stayed friends for a very, very, very long time before even thinking about moving into anything like, um, engagement or even marriage. Like we Mm -hmm. were, we were friends before that. Um, so what actually do you think brought us into wanting to even go further um, with being with one another? And like these, these, all these questions are off the whim. I told her I was going to bring her on here and do this stuff. Like, just like, we're not going to write no notes and we're just going to flow with it because I think that's, that's going to be the most, most organic and most authentic. So when, what do you think? actually made us want to take it further in our um, relationship at the time. Yeah. 
And what I like to do is, is I'd like to just speak from my perspective because I don't want to speak for him from his perspective. So for me, from my perspective, um, kind of some of the things that kind of led me to feeling like God was wanting us to take this to the next level. Um, I had just started thinking about where I was at in my life and I was, I was involved in so many different areas of ministry. I was, you know, praying every day, you know, seeking God and just his direction and, you know, what do you want next for my life and this next place in my life? And, um, because I was only a couple years away from graduating from college when I met David. So I was starting to, um, apply for jobs and, you know, I was just thinking about what I wanted for the next couple chapters of my life. And, um, I had just started noticing that as me and David were around each other more, it just seemed like, I know it feels like it came out of nowhere, but like, I feel like it's something that God was orchestrating. Like, it's true, like it wasn't necessarily a, oh God, like give me David. Like, it, it, shoot, it wasn't even that type of prayer. Like, it was more or less like I started noticing that I was having feelings for you that were more than just friends. Right. And then I know a mutual friend of ours had came to me and said, hey, I had a dream about you and David kind of being together, right. eventually being married. And I'm like, whatever. Like, <laughs> so, so I, I didn't necessarily blow her off, but I feel like it was a reconfirmation of what I was already starting to feel in those beginning stages. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. For me, I know that at that time, um, when we started to think about, because we were always around each other, and we just started having more conversations about it. And you were getting to remember, you were getting ready to graduate from mm -hmm. from school, and I just remember a sadness really came over me when I found out that you were going to be like either trying to move out of the state or go like far out. I think you were going to go. I forgot where it was to Omaha. To Omaha. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm losing like my best friend. They're about to leave and all of those feelings and emotions. And I that's when I kind of knew that maybe it was something more at that time for me to feel that that sad. I do realize now, like looking back on that time, like I feel like I did not want to be alone. And so mm -hmm. at that time, I felt like if I lost that same feeling of having you here and all of those things that I was going to be alone. But just like I talked about in my last chapter that I had, which was a very intense and, and really in-depth chapter about my life and where I come from, there were so many different things that I was processing even at that time of us even taking it a step further, but there was there for me on my end, there was a lot of pressure because people wanted me to just be better, you know, from what they saw me that, you know, being in the hospital, all the things I went through, they wanted me to be better. And I know you knew a little bit about what I had gone through in the past. We had had conversation about mm -hmm. that all throughout our friendship. What during that time with church, when, when I was talking about um, me having like same sex attraction and all of those things that were going on at the time, what were your thoughts, even with us even taking it a step further or walking into something like that? What, what were some of the things that went through your mind? Were there, was there fear? Was there different things that you were thinking about or what, what did you, what did you think at the time? So I think for me at the time, although I had knew because I mean, we had shared and had countless conversations about what you had dealt with in your past and things like that um I'm that type of person where I don't necessarily limit um someone's transformation process whether it be a deliverance process or just whatever the, that may look like um because I had you know I mean and I do still to this day I have a very strong faith in Christ um I wasn't going to allow my fear of what you had experienced in your past to stop me from doing what I felt like God, it was surely a calling. Mm -hmm. Didn't you like, I feel like marriage has to be a calling. It, it's like, if, if it's, if you are not called into that thing, like you're already going to face a lot of 
challenges and a lot of adversity and all of these things. Yeah. So, so you have to take it on in your literally in your soul as as a as a responsibility as a as a calling. Like you are you are called to stewardship. And so, so it's one of those things that, yeah, definitely fear game. Fear yeah. is always going to come because this is a lifetime commitment. If there was no fear, I, I would almost be questioning, why am I not afraid? Be because when you have to give your life <laughs> to right. someone else, that is a huge responsibility, yeah. a huge calling, a huge responsibility, and just all of that. So, so of course, fear was there. I had had a couple different people approach me because they had had dreams and different things like that. And, <clears throat> and of course, I took heed to those things, but I wasn't going to allow that to deter me from what I felt in my heart God was desiring for us to be married. Right. So I, I totally, I totally agree. And in that moment, I think that many people like even in my time then i was very deeply involved in church at the time like mm -hmm. i was i i even was a minister at one point in time later mm -hmm. on but i i did there were so many things that i was doing at that time and in college and i was still dealing with all of this stuff during this time um i never really felt like there was always um and i'll get into this a little bit later a safe place for me to go to even discuss all of the things that i felt like at the time i was struggling with I have a new understanding of what what was happening at that time, and I'm learning to like walk through whatever process I'm 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 moving through. I'm learning to walk through those things and do it as me, raw, uh, just me, all in general. Like it's not a it's not about anybody else. It's not about what I what I have thought in the past. It's about what I'm looking forward to in the future. So I'm going to be authentically me, and whatever needs to happen within that time frame is going to happen. But I'm there's not any uh, I'm not feeling any stress or condemnation or anxiety about the choice to walk in and be my true authentic self, you know, through this process. So I, I really think about all of those things, even when we were planning to get married and even on the, the day of, of the marriage, you know, that was very scary for me because, and I know, I don't know if, if you were afraid at that time or if there was any, any just walking in there, but I knew that I I wanted to not only make you happy, I wanted everybody else to be happy around me. I wanted to make everyone okay. And yeah. I really wasn't all the time okay with myself at the time, but I wanted to make sure everybody else was okay. And even when I was in therapy, my therapist always talked to me about how I try to please everyone else besides looking into myself. And a lot of times I would think I was selfish even while I was caring about everybody else, I still felt like I was selfish. And it was not till those moments when I said, I have to give myself the time to really be just who I, just let me be myself, not feel this box. I felt like there was a box. Mm -hmm. And so at the time it felt very boxy. And I was just like, I can't, I'm, I don't even live like this. This is never how I've been in my life. So this is weird for me. So I think a lot of people power through it they do, they power through and they, they work through marriage. What do you think about just people that are able to power through it or just maybe hold back a lot of those feelings in order just to keep it? Do you think it's healthy? That's, that's all I have to say. Do you think it's healthy all the time to keep everything boxed in for a long time and then just live with it? Um, I think that there are people that have, been able to find their definition of success right because because I've seen some people um, grow and go throughout marriages and their definition of a happy marriage that word happy it's relative mm. it's all about perspective and mm. what do you deem happy okay. there's some people that have struggled with the same thing that we've struggled with, but there's some people that have decided, I want a family unit. Mm. So they decide, I'm going to put past these feelings, yeah. put these feelings, put them away, mm -hmm. put them in a box, <laughs> mm -hmm. do whatever I have to do. It's like, because they say, I want to have kids. 
I want, you know, I want kids. I don't want to have to adopt. I don't want to have to find a surrogate. I don't want to have to, I I want to have a kid. Yeah. So they do the structured formality to produce children. Mm. And then I, I feel like part of them, there are some people that are able to go through the motions mm. of marriage wow. without actually having the true joy the, and, and the happiness that you are supposed to receive yeah. from your partner. Mm. I truly believe that there is a there there is a breakthrough <laughs> that is supposed to take place and it's like I feel like if you are in a place where you are not able to be your true authentic self why are you there Mm. your partner is supposed to help bring forth your true authentic self and you were supposed to bring forth my true authentic self that's true we are not responsible for each other's happiness but I do believe that I was supposed to while we were married I was supposed to be able to come to you and ask you and tell you anything. Yeah. And I believe that because we were trying to protect each other and protect our feelings and not hurt each other and not hurt these 120 people that came to our <laughs> wedding and, and all of I, yeah. So So going back to the question that you were asking, on my wedding day, I felt 100% peace. I didn't feel afraid Mm. when I was walking down that aisle to commit the rest of my life to you. I was willing to truly forsake all others Mm. for you. Mm. I met my vows. Mm. I met them when I said them and even as I was walking down that aisle to marry you. So, So no, that that day there's always the nerves of you know are are you pretty enough does your dress look enough yeah oh, are the table covers because yeah. i'm such a, a organizational person a creature of habit like yeah. I, I want everything in its perfect place mm-hmm. and she did all of these things so so shoot, so i had more of that like do they like the food do they like the cake are we smiling enough are did we say hi to everybody do we say thank you cards like do we do all of that but as far as my commitment to you yeah no, I didn't feel yeah. any hesitation, any fear, anything leading up to that day. My total focus was on you that yeah. day. I didn't care who didn't get fed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you like. Some people told me some things that were, you know, just I, I can't even remember what they were now, but but they were small, minute things. Yeah. And I'm just like, it was something I wasn't paying attention to yeah. because I was so focused on Agreed. getting ready to yeah. spend the rest of my life with you. So. I think that. I think my whole, even going into that day, when I think about it, I said, I don't even think I was, at that time, I didn't know if I was even, the fear in me was a lot because I felt like I wasn't even going to be able to live up to anything at the time. And in church, a lot of times, or just life in general, even within the black male community, we are taught to push through whatever to push, to persevere, to do whatever, not just say, okay, maybe this moved very fast. Like everything moved rapidly. And you know, even though it was a year Mm -hmm. when I got engaged to the time we did that, everything moved so rapidly that I, I was so caught, I was caught up in everything. I don't even, I always say this though, it was never a mistake to get married. I think there were so many different things that I was able to learn in the marriage. But at that time, I couldn't even take in what was actually happening. I was just seeing things happen. We went to counseling for a little bit. Then before we knew it, we were planning. We were getting things together. We were writing lists out for people to 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 come to the wedding. And at that time when you it's almost like I think back to like back in the day when I almost like a child when you have something and you're you tell a lie or something and you get so deep inside it or not even a lie you get so deep within yourself that you're like what what's going on and I don't know what's what's happening right now that you don't even want to disappoint anyone around you you're just mm-hmm. like I don't want to make anybody upset I don't want to lose friends I don't want to lose people I don't want people to be upset with me I wasn't, I don't even think I thought logically enough about what mm-hmm. actually was happening at that time. Right. 
And so for me, that was, I don't even know how I did it, but I will tell you this within the first two years of us being even, I knew it was still a great decision. I felt that it was a great, I was like, I'm happy. Everybody else seems happy around me. Everybody is good. My family is excited. My brother, like everybody is like, you did it. You did it. It's forever and all of these things. And then you start to feel something. I don't know whether it wasn't that we were, we we had been connected in church because we moved. We moved to North Carolina Mm -hmm. shortly after. We lived in Ohio and we struggled. Like it was, I struggled, but we were working like hard. To make sure that we got somewhere. Because yeah, um, I was, because you were working two jobs. I was working two jobs at I the believe. time, three at one time. Well, it was two yeah. schools and one. Yep. Yeah, and then I was working two two jobs as well. Because yes. I was working night shift as a at, CNA, at, and I was working as a volunteer coordinator hard. during the day. So we wanted to do do greater. Like we, I felt that if we moved out of what was. Everything was going to change once we moved to North Carolina or we were thinking about St. Louis and we had thought about different places, L.A., St. Louis. It was different places. And we were like, okay, we're settled on North Carolina. We felt like that was where we needed to go. So we ended up going. And when we got there, when we got to that place and, you know, things seemed to be, you know, I went down a little bit before you and then you came down Mm -hmm. and things seemed to be rolling along. And where do you think like things begin to change within the hustle and bustle of us being in North Carolina? Cause we were involved in e-groups for a little while and we did that. Where do you think that things begin to change with, with both of us in that time? Honestly, what, what things were happening at that time? Were there people, were we getting too busy? Where was there, were, were there things that you saw me going through at the time that started to change it? Honestly, what were you, what, what, what things begin to change? I think that we were so busy (laughs) trying to make a living that we didn't have the perspective to understand that I now know that there's a quote and I don't know who the author is or who said it, but it's like, don't get so busy making a life that, that you forget to, to like making a living that you forget that you're creating a life here Hmm. you're building a life with a partner like we were so busy trying to become financially stable that we literally there was a wedge that was built that we didn't even see that was getting built we began to be Hmm. two ships passing in the night Hmm. of i was working night shift no, I was I was working up in Statesville, so I was driving yeah. 30, 40 minutes um, and, you know, working. And then um, I'd also had a job at McDonald's um, because I had already had previous experience there. So I was working, Hard. you know, those Hard. jobs. And then I finally got a job at the hospital. Yeah. Um, so, so I feel like we were so busy trying to create and trying to... Um, I, I feel like now I can say in hindsight, I feel like we worked so hard to try and prove other people wrong mm. because I feel oh, like, wow. because I feel like there was a few people mm. in my space that didn't want us to make this move. Mm. So when we made the move, it's almost like you have this internal hustle that begins to build mm. because you don't want to have to go back home God. and say, I failed. <laughs> So, oh, wow. so, oh, wow. so you have this internal hustle that says, uh-uh, We're y'all, it. y'all ain't going to prove me wrong. Ooh. You guys are not going to prove me wrong. So, so you go around with this arrogance. Oh, my God. Pride. Wow. <laughs> so you go around with this pride. But meanwhile, the enemy is because he knows even if you're so busy where you're not paying attention that wedge was being created because when we were not spending that time at home, some nights I was working double shifts at the hospital. I was picking up night shifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I was mm-hmm. trying to help you get your career, your acting career and stuff oh like that gosh. off the ground. Let's talk about All of that. that stuff. So I yeah. was working so much trying to help build this. It's like we were not spending time 
the valuable time that you need in those critical years. Yeah. Those first five years, they're critical building years of you learning how to sit down, eat together, watch movies together, cuddle. Like, shoot, like we, we were not taught at least, uh, I'm going to speak for me. I didn't grow up in a very um, emotionally connected household. Mm. I didn't see my parents, my my mom and my stepfather. I didn't see them just sitting on the couch, holding each other, mm. watching a movie, doing any of that stuff. So that I always seen them working. I always seen them in some type of work mode. And when you don't see the healthiness of having that emotional piece to your marriage outside of just the sex and the physical piece, when you haven't seen that, you just start getting in this mode of he has to provide and I have to support. So shoot, so whatever this is, hmm. we have to make it happen. And it's like intimacy, all of that stuff, shoot, like any form of intimacy, intimacy is yeah. not just sex, but any yeah. form of intimacy that, that I, I did not prioritize intimacy. Mm. So I believe that that is where in the shooting before I knew it, it was kind of like a, I feel like I was on autopilot. Now that I can look back on it, I can say, I feel like I was an autopilot because I can't even say them first three years of my marriage. I can't even say I was unhappy. Well, me either. I, I definitely. I was yeah. she was like. I feel like we were just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And it's like it was the move. We we started getting friends here. We, we tried a couple of churches. We finally got one yeah. based upon where we felt like we can get rooted in. Mm -hmm. We can start serving. We can start multiplying. We can start building the kingdom. We can start building our family. She yeah. like we can start doing all of these things. So it's like, and then so I think for me, I went through a lot of. Um, uh, and I know we didn't talk about this, but mm -hmm. but I feel the need to just bring it up. Um, I won't necessarily say I had fertility issues, but it was one of those things that I had a lot of heavy bleeding, a lot of clotting and all of these different things mm -hmm. that were um, preventing some of the times of intimacy and different things like that. So I feel like that was another wrench that was kind of just thrown into our marriage that we didn't expect to have to necessarily struggle with. I didn't think that I was gonna struggle with conception or any of that, so. Let me tell you, there was nothing, I always have told her, this is something that many black women, they deal with this more than you know. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, I was always there, mm -hmm. regardless of Definitely. whatever, when something, when that was going on or everything like that, I'm. we're gonna work through it, we're gonna get through it, because I cared. Mm -hmm. And I still do, you know, and so these Definitely. things at that time, that was one thing that I will say, and I've never even really said this out loud before, but I went through a process of being upset with God because mm -hmm. I was mad that, you know, that at that time and I and I but the reason why I think God, uh, you never know what he does, what he does, because I was like, I think that's going to fix everything because I was still going through things where I was had these attractions in my head and all of these different things. And I still wanted to be able to. I wanted to to do everything. Like I, I just wanted to be. Um, I wanted to love who I wanted to love at any time, you know. And I wasn't out there doing a whole bunch of cheating. Less there was infidelity mm -hmm. at one point in time, which I'll tell you about her. This one right here, even through that point of our of our life, we attempted to work through even those those portions of time. And so even during all of these these things that were going on, I. You know, I felt responsible for the downfall of everything. Like, I felt mm -hmm. like I was the reason, like, my liking um, guys or whatever was the reason why you were sick. Like, I put that on myself. I truly did. I felt mm -hmm. like it was all just a God was trying to curse, like, just everything that wow. was going on. I These are things that went through my mind until I read a book down here. Uh, in the middle of everything that was going on, it's right down here. And that's why I keep these books up here. Y'all think it's just for no reason. But it's actually because these books got me through life. And it was called Destined to Rain, and it helped me to forgive myself of things that I did uh, in like the third or fourth, maybe the fourth year yeah. of the marriage. And those things 
this cleared the condemnation part of it, but it also taught me that I needed to free myself of a lot of the thinking that I had grown up with and learned and was so churched in all of the time. It also gave me, gave me a sense of freedom. I'm not telling you this book told me to get a divorce or anything like that. Those were internal things that in my mind, I decided at the time was best because I can't go on and I was not trying to drag anybody along with the mess that I was still processing in my life. Mm -hmm. I was not gonna do that. That's one thing I will not do is make somebody sit here and suffer while I'm sneaking around and doing all of this stuff. That's something I, I speak heavily about with that goes on everywhere more than you know it Definitely. wherever it's at and i i am not that type of person you know a day after whatever happened i came and i talked to her because i can't keep a like i can't keep a lie for nothing like i'm going to tell you the truth straight out and this is what brings me to my authentic self is because those were the first steps of me being free was not living in a lie people will live in lies for years and years and years and years and i don't even know how they can do it because i couldn't even live with myself if i was mm -hmm. looking you in your face and telling you i love you every day and then going out and just having having my way with whatever and whoever mm -hmm. that's not how i roll and that's never how i've been so i was not going to hurt this individual that i love very much to this day and do that do those things that that's just yeah. not me so i was like god I'm upset. I'm like, you got to do something. And the the emotions of everything, I think, built so quickly with me that it led to me. I don't know about just the decisions I was making at the time, but I know that I wanted to just, I just needed to be with myself because mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this is what's best for me at this time. I, I don't even know sometimes about my, my decision, but I do know that right now it has brought me to therapy it has brought me different things that I needed in order to process, talk to people. I probably couldn't even have this conversation with you like five, five years ago or anything like that. I don't think we could have even sat down and talked about it because there's so many different emotions that we go through. The process of divorce is rough. Please give advice to anybody that is thinking about it or wants to like it or even is about to get married. Like what advice would you give to people even walking into or stepping into any type of marriage, you know? So so I've had the opportunity to speak to about five different people that have come to me and have approached me that were <clears throat> getting ready to get married. They're still married now. They're in happy marriages and they're thriving and stuff and it's really um it's really great. Because if, if someone can learn from me, although I hated having to have this lesson, mm -hmm. I never wanted divorce to be a part of my story. Yeah. But now that it is, I feel like God said to me that day that I left the courthouse mm -hmm. with you, the day the divorce was final, the gavel got hit. When I tell you, I felt like my heart had left my body. Yeah. When I sat in that car, yeah. God said, if you allow me to use what you have left, I'll use it. Allow me to use what you have left. I didn't feel like I had anything left. I'm just like, I lost my best friend. Yeah. I lost the person that I know I could tell anything to this man <laughs> I could tell him anything but I would encourage people through walking through what me and David went through I would say and I've had the opportunity <laughs> to kind of walk people through this premarital journey and all of this stuff I encourage people if you are thinking about getting married thinking about proposing thinking about doing all of this, get some deep, intensive therapy, pre-therapy, pre-marital therapy, <laughs> whatever you can expose, acknowledge, right. do and all of that stuff, heal as much as you can heal before you get married. Because when you get married, your partner takes on the healed part of you and the unhealed part of you. Yeah. So the stuff that you didn't acknowledge and the stuff that you didn't know, 
we'll figure it out later and we'll walk through it together as it's revealed. But the stuff that you do know about, you are doing a disservice to your future partner if you do not go and start getting those things healed because you are going to bring all of your luggage down that aisle and into that marriage and into the rest of your life. Work on as much as you can work on that you are aware of. In some stuff, the reason why I say that counseling is so important is that sometimes the counselor will ask you certain questions that will provoke things that you never even thought were necessarily important. So I tell people it is so imperative. Please go to premarital counseling and it needs to go beyond who's going to write the checks. Who's going to, who's, who's going to be the primary breadwinner. Like that stuff is important, but, but when you are going through divorces in your, in, in, I mean, like once we started going through counseling before the decision of divorce was going to be the best decision. Oh my goodness. Like there was so many things that we didn't, there was so many things I, I had a limited perspective on what I thought was important. And typically our limited perspective goes based upon how we were raised. So it's like, All I did was see my dad provide. All I seen was my mom provide, take care of the household, cook. So I thought that that was what you need to do as a wife. Mm. So I didn't know how to, I wasn't even emotionally intelligent enough to know when you were starving. When you were starving. so, So like when you were going out behind my back in our marriage, I wasn't even aware enough. So had you not been that type of man to just be like, I can't hold this, I have to tell you, we would have went months and months and months before I would have even been alerted because I wasn't having dreams about you cheating on me. Mm. I wasn't, I was was in this mode of, we got to go. We got to go. Like, you like, what's next? What's next? What's next? So I feel like going through the counseling, I would definitely encourage whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ, you need counseling. You need to talk to someone about what you are, about the journey that you are about to embark on. So, And let me say this real quick, because even in that time of doing this, there are I believe like there are guys out here that go through some of the same things in marriage and whether it be guy, girl, whatever, I think that there are times when, especially with guys that are dealing with um, just like liking other guys and different Mm -hmm. things like that, I feel like the church is not prepared enough to even talk about those things because I remember us being in e-groups at a church we were at and I remember really at a crucial time in my life after that that time that I had stepped out and um, it was there were there was a time when I came back around and I was like I need help I need to talk to somebody about what's going on and they looked at me like I was a plum fool like they didn't want to even touch on anything that was anywhere in that ballpark they like it's it's almost like it's very taboo to talk about these things i even Mm -hmm. talked about on the last chapter about me being in an environment when i was with my you know with my father and there was a there these guys are all talking about all these things going on with with same sex you know what's going on in in the world and i wanted to talk out so bad but it's hard to even open up about it sometimes because nobody is seeing point of views Mm -hmm. nobody's seeing point of views everybody wants to be right You have people over here that are going to give you a scripture about what's going on over here. You have people over here that are like, why are you even in a religion like that that doesn't accept anything like that? There is no in between. And then we're we're taught in the word of God that you're lukewarm. So you start feeling condemnation about being lukewarm because you're trying to see, have people come into common grounds and talk about what's actually going on and what's in the middle of all of this and get to the real word of God. You know, if you are practicing Christ and you are and you are loving Christ and all of these things and you're reading the word of God and you have a true love for Christ, 
I do believe you are accepted by Christ. It's just the people that don't accept you are the other people on the outside looking in that can cause you to feel a certain way. Everybody has a journey. I want people to realize that every single person has a journey to purpose. And I still believe that in the midst of divorce and everything that's going on, that God was still preparing a purpose. And he didn't know, we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't know if it was going, what, what was going to hurt. I was listening to a song by Kirk Franklin earlier today, just talking about the pain and the hurt that you go through in order to get to the places where you need to be sometimes. Everybody thinks it's a smooth road sometimes getting to purpose, but sometimes there is much more of a requirement for people who who need more, who mm-hmm. who need more. And and God is is willing to provide that for you, but you have to come to him as you are. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize when you say as you are, people still point back to who you are or what they think you should be. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are. Mm-hmm. They're like this is not who you are. This is, this is your, you made up this, this thing of what you, what you want to be. It's in your head. And this is what you, what you feel that you are. And I don't really realize sometimes how people can jump into my body and tell me that this is what I am. This is what I am at this time. God is revealing to me who I am day by day by day. Mm -hmm. And I do believe I'm walking in where I need to be and where I'm called to there's just different things that I go through that nobody else is going. There's other people that are going through it, but not everybody's Mm -hmm. bold enough to talk about it. That's why I wanted to actually come on here with you Mm -hmm. to talk about it, our journeys in this and like what types of journeys did like, as far as purpose is concerned, where do you feel like after divorce, this journey has led you to like, where do you feel your, like, where do you feel where do you feel the purpose within, within this? Um, it was definitely hard to find because <laughs> I'm because I'm going to tell you the 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 day when the lawyer I mean the judge actually hit the gavel like yeah. when I tell you it was weeks to months of me just walking around I was literally walking like a zombie huh. I, I was I, I the I I got into counseling within Two to three weeks. I did not. Of mistake. Of my divorce. I knew that I had to talk to someone else in order to survive. I didn't have, by the grace of God, I didn't have any suicidal thoughts. And I know that was nothing but God just protecting me. Yeah. But but I never understood it. Um and I don't know if David ever knew this, but his mom had told me something um, even before our divorce was finalized. Um, she's, you know, she was talking to me and she was like, I, I, I'm, she said, divorce feels like death. And I never, and it's like, until you walk through it, you have a sympathy versus an empathy for it. It's like, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's going to feel like death. Okay. Like it's shoot, it's relative and you feel like you have some type of, you, you have a very, very, very limited perspective until you actually experience it. Then once I actually experienced it, once I knew that it was to the point of no return, we couldn't go back. I, I now knew what she, what she meant when she said it felt like death. Because although David was still here in the human flesh, I felt like everything that we were supposed to accomplish together, that died. The purpose that we were supposed to accomplish together died. Our probability of having kids together died. Our probability of having, I had had thoughts and dreams of us doing this. (laughs) We were actually going to be marriage counselors. That's what I envisioned. So what I was telling the counselor and what the counselor ended up telling back to me was that's the reason why it feels like death because you now are dying to, you're having to erase every single thing now that you thought you were going to do with that person in the present and in the future. So that literally takes some time to get erased and shoot an undone and now you have to imagine I either have to do this alone or I have to do this with somebody else my brain 
was never going to think of going there. Mm-hmm. Of like, I got to try and accomplish this with somebody else besides who my best friend is. Yeah. Like, my spouse, I feel like your spouse is supposed to be your best friend. It's not that you can't have other best friends from college, other best friends from high school, childhood, yeah. and stuff growing up. But the person that you should be able to go to and talk to about every and anything and a person that you can imagine spending the rest of your life with, that is supposed to be your husband. If you don't have that, I can tell them anything. All of mm-hmm. You need to do some soul searching. So I'm not <laughs> going to say that that person is not called to be your spouse, but you have to do some soul searching if that person, if yeah. your spouse is not in that best friend seat. There's a lot of things I feel like um, when I think about marriage, I now know because I did not like she went directly to counseling. I did not take that road. Bad mistake. That is automatically what I should have been doing. But I was under the impression that I can still handle all of this on my own because I did it to myself. I was condemning myself all over again because divorce, Mm. you're not supposed to do that. That's not in the word of God. These are things that you go through. It didn't process until I started going to therapy finally in 2020. That's way, way later. And I had to learn many lessons along the way there. Yeah, well, through just having to yeah. be hurt again and again and then just having a lot of different things going on where I, I couldn't talk to her about it. Like it was just there was a lot to process. So I think the best thing that people can do in marriage to me now that I've seen and I've gone through things is everybody should have their own definition of what their marriage should be Yes, to me because mm-hmm. I was going by a definition of what I saw or how a guy should act I was placing some of the things or the things that I saw other guys doing like I'm not that so Lauren couldn't possibly like this or whatever was going on. I was placing all of those things in my mind like this is not what guys supposed. I'm not supposed to be creative or I'm not supposed to be like like just using my hands like this. I'm supposed to be I turned into a whole different person walking around like a statue Mm -hmm. and you wonder why at the time I was feeling boxed in is because I'm not myself. No matter what I was attracted to or what was going on, I never felt like I could go forward because I was in a stiff statue version of myself Mm -hmm. that I couldn't even recognize. That's not David. So it's almost like being in this box of, oh, I have to watch football on Sunday. I got to bring a bunch of guy friends over so we can eat wings I tried and it drink all. beer and talk about all these different things. And it's like, I tried true. it all. Like, like it's, it, shoot, it's not you. It, it's not who you were created to be. So that's the reason why anything that was outside of your authentic self, it made you feel uncomfortable. I knew when you got in certain spaces, when you were not <laughs> comfortable, you wore it all over your body language saying, I am not comfortable in this space. Yeah. I don't feel safe enough in this yeah. space to be my authentic self. So like, if I don't know anything about football, I think that sometimes you didn't put yourself in those arenas because if you don't have the knowledge of it mm-hmm. or just, you're just trying, you tried to blend a lot. Yeah. And it's like, when, I, I was never meant to blend. And she was like, and Judah, when you're trying to blend and you're not still staying authentic to your true self, it causes you to, to fight and resist. And then when you feel that level of disappointment, because you feel like telling me that you're yeah. going to disappoint me. Yeah. One of the things that I want people to know, even if you are currently married or are currently engaged and you are, stepping out on your spouse or your partner or whoever it may be you are going to hurt what you feel like you're preventing you're not preventing (laughs) you are going to hurt that person yeah once it comes to light whether they decide to tell you that they cheated on you (laughs) or whether you see it in a dream or whether you see them at Costco, at the gas station, kissing (laughs) at the gas pump or or shoot or whatever you do. (laughs) However, however it comes to the light, because trust me, baby, it's going to come to the light. It will. It's going to come. It will. And that's what I, yeah. It should, it will be revealed. You have to don't feel like, oh, I don't want to tell them I'm cheating on them because they're going to be mad. They're going to be throwing my stuff out the yard. They're going to do that. Like, I had, David can speak to my reaction 
to when he told me about the infidelity. I have a better, you will find an unorthodox response sometimes coming from your partner, your person, your spouse, your whoever. I had a different response because he came to me. I didn't have to see him at the Costco gas station at a gas pump. Mm. I didn't have to see him in a club. I didn't have to see him. He came to me. So I had grace that came from God above. Let me (laughs) tell you, that came from God above. That grace came from Jesus. Yes. Because when I tell you my background says, my background and my family history says, guns blazing. Yeah. That is the type of background I came from. I was almost at the point during that time where even if I told her, I felt so bad about myself that I wouldn't have even minded. That's how deep and dark my mind was at the time. I said, I'm going to tell her and whatever happens, happens if I'm gone. And I really didn't care at that point because I felt that low about myself at right. the time. That so you I wanted, because you wanted, <laughs> and to shoot at what God didn't give you, you wanted, you wanted the affirmation of I'm not enough. She hates me. She does this. She does that. Nobody's going to like me. Nobody's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to accept me. No one's ever going to do any of this. And God wouldn't let me give you that satisfaction, that reaffirmation of the way you were feeling inside. Because it's not the way God felt about you. It's the way you felt about you. At the time, yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. at the time. At the time. So, yeah. And that's that's the one thing I will say, because we're going to wrap here. We could go about this. And she'll get me crying. And I I don't. Every time we really talk and delve into deeper stuff, which is this is the deepest I've ever, like, even been in a setting. Mm -hmm. Even to put this out into the world, it's only because I'm ready. You know, when I put this out, it was because I was ready. We talked about this before we got here because I usually wouldn't have even done this. But it's so amazing how when she talked about purpose or wanting to do this, we're still here talking to you now. Mm -hmm. So God has a weird way of doing things or even having this platform for me to even do this. So you can either hear it or let it go out of your ears. But this is what God has given us walking through the process of divorce and having to be friends. And how do you think that we've been able to maintain healthy communication throughout this time? Because I know at the beginning it probably was not easy. How do you think? Right. Because people look at me like I'm crazy when I say I still talk to my to my ex. I still talk mm-hmm. to, yeah, we still communicate. Oh, yeah. It might not be as much, but we still communicate. Mm-hmm. We definitely um, have had an unorthodox. It's something that, to really be honest, I don't think that I have another scenario to really compare it to. I I feel like different scenarios in my family have just been unorthodox. We've been able to do things with people that society has said, uh-uh, that's an X. Nope, you need to be trying to slash tires. You need to, <laughs> guns blazing. You need to not be talking to them. You need to not be yeah. doing this. Why are you calling him and checking up on him, seeing if he's okay? Like, like when I tell you there was so much um, adversity that I faced upon even still trying to keep a friendship with him, I feel like you're fighting against every single thing that we are naturally wired to do. We are naturally wired that when somebody has devastated us to the core, hate wants to rise up and it wants to take that top tier seat. And it's like, no, I made a commitment to God Mm -hmm. to say, God, However you want us to walk out of this divorce, guess what? The divorce can even be a testimony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we can actually allow. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? We can actually allow mm. the hardest, the hardest thing that we've ever done in our lives. That's the truth. For God, God to, to still try and get the glory out of this. Mm-hmm. So if we can help other couples... Other people that are thinking about getting married, they're coming in here with all kinds of stuff. I want to be able to help anybody to go through the healing process, go through all the things that you need to go through. I, I, you know, you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, the counselors have to be Christians. They have to be this. They have to be that. I don't box myself in. No. Because, because my counselor, I don't know if she was a Christian or not. 
I actually got set up through free counseling through the hospital that I worked at. So I got X amount of sessions for free. Then I paid for some sessions out of pocket after those free sessions yeah. were done. But she, but it's one of those things. I don't know if she was a Christian or not, but when I tell you she gave me so much advice yeah. as to how to treat him after the divorce, because she had me take the focus off of him and put it back to me. Like, no, like, I understand your calling and how you feel about God. Like, I can tell that you love God. You're going to have to give an account one day for how you treated this man. And I'm going to have to give an account for how I treated him. So, so, like, you can't just be out here trying to slander his name, slash his name, doing any of that stuff. I love him, and I will always love him. (laughs) I will always, 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 always root for him. Whatever he has going in life, I, I support you. I love you. Anything that you need, I'm here. Let me tell you something real quick. <laughs> now, this is the reason why there has been a maintained, you know, friendship and everything that has gone on here because Lauren is a different type of of woman. Like I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know that truly, 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 God wor- has worked through this entire situation where I, I couldn't even have told you back then what I was going to be able to do. But I know that in this time, her as a person being able to see through, we don't agree on everything. Like I'll talk to her about what I'm like me, my same sex, like still some of the stuff that's still there. All of the things that I, I feel like I am, she'll look at me and she'll, but there's still a love that's there. It's not like she's going to be gung ho and just be like, Oh yeah, just do whatever you want to do. She's going to tell me because she's my friend, what she thinks about it. I don't have to take anything just like she doesn't have to take anything from me, but she's going to let me know what, what's going on. And I can listen to her and I can, I can take it in. I just know that at this time in my life, this is where I am at, you know, and she Mm -hmm. has loved me unconditionally through me telling her that I don't see that much. The love that she has been able to instill even going through all of these different things where I I no longer look at a lot of these things as going through because a lot of times we're churched and told to look at it like this is your struggle. This is this, this is this. And that keeps you in where you're at. If you live and let God do what he wants to do with you, you can be the most authentic person that you are. I have very, like I said, we'll discuss all this in another uh, Coleman on Purpose, but I have very, my, my belief system it has never changed. I still believe in Christ. I still believe in all of those things. I just have a different way of looking at who I am as a person and who a God mm-hmm. created me to be. I will never be boxed in again. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I can tell you today. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be back in that space of feeling like I can't be who genuinely God has made and created me to be or or who he wants me to walk to walk in as my purpose. Who knows what is in store for what what the purpose that he's instilled in me or I know you. I always mm-hmm. told her. I said this one over here. That's why this whole thing seems like a preaching ceremony, like a preaching sermon. It's because this one over here is a preacher, and I've been <laughs> I've been telling her that all this time, and she be telling me that. But I'm like, no, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna speak to the people over here and through through this mm-hmm. because I just believe that my my words and me acting and stuff is is what God where mm-hmm. God has me, the vein He has me in, the artistic and all of this, mm-hmm. and that that's that's where I believe He has me. But I just wanted to tell you. Thank you for loving me unconditionally through whatever I've been, I've gone through, through whatever you've known about me from my past to the future, to me having a brain injury and being able to see past all of that and see into who I was. I appreciate that about you. If if I've never ever, you know, I've told you before, but I'm telling you now in front of everybody that I appreciate who you are to me and who you have been to so many others. So I just want to say that to you. Yeah. And I want to touch on one final point that I didn't get a chance to touch on before when you were speaking about the ministries and you reaching out to, you know, whether it be group leaders or whatever people connected to church and different things like that. I think that so many people are hesitant because a lot of ministries, what I see that is a gap that's missing is now is because so many churches are growing at such a rapid pace and shooting such a rapid rate they are putting a lot of stuff on quote unquote Bible study group leaders and all of these different people to handle situations 
that they may not have necessarily been anointed to do. So, so that's what I wanted to encourage you from what we had talked about yeah. earlier. That may not have been that person's place to True. walk you through True. what you were talking to them about. True. The church, the church yeah. is set up, although we are the church, yeah. the, 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 the people that God has put in strategic positions of leadership, mm. those were the people yeah. that you should have been able to go inside of that place and say, I'm struggling with same sex things. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I need to get into one-on-one -on -one counseling with somebody or is there a counselor that is connected to this ministry or whatever. So, so then that person can give you a perspective when you, when you just have group leaders, those, those people are coming from a very limited yeah. background and perspective. Yeah. I don't even know if it would have been, I feel like God protected you. Because had those people said what they really felt about same-sex relationships, all of this stuff, it would have pushed you deeper into a darker hole. Mm. I I look at now um, the reasons why I everything has a reason, everything mm -hmm. has a purpose. There, like you said, there is a reason why even in those times when I would reach out, I had to take a deeper look within my own self and see exactly who David needed to be and i that's why i when i talk about being boxed and i'm talking about in general all together when we talk about boxing somebody into calling them like a category this that and the other i all i can be is myself so i just saying. think that a lot of people they they like to because we're taught to just put everything in its proper place and make sure this looks like this and present it a certain way and make sure things look pretty and neat and organized and make sure this book is in that corner and all of this stuff but but it's like you I've seen people that don't necessarily struggle with homosexuality, but they struggle with backbiting. They struggle with gossiping. They struggle with cussing. They struggle with alcoholism. They struggle with drug addiction. They struggle with all of that. It's like, what I want people to understand, me walking through this journey with David and me going through my own journey with some of the same similar struggles, it caused me to not be in such a rigid, type of mentality of oh well he struggles with this and i don't struggle with this so i'm better than you it's like no he may have had a struggle with this but guess what i gotta struggle with this and it's like in god's eyes when you bring it to god god wants to heal this and god wants to heal this so so it's not just uh uh your sin is greater than mine it's mm -hmm. like we we all have challenges and it's like when she when i tell you until the day we leave this earth we are going to i feel like god keeps thorns there to keep us at his feet and that's that that's what i i i always say if it is like for me like i said we differ in that but i said if it is a thorn for me Keep it there, cause yeah, I'm like or shoot or whatever. Do it is. do whatever. <laughs> I, I mean, I love. I know my relationship that I have with him, so that's I'm so secure in that now, and knowing that that all of the things, like I said, I've I've been churched since I was zero point five years old. Right. Like I've been in church for a very long in time. The room. <laughs> I, I have, I have. So I, I, and you have too. Like we've been in it for a very mm -hmm. long time. So there are mindsets and stuff that I've learned over time through therapy and through, through different things that I just know I must, in order to maintain and to walk in my greatness, these are some of the things that I need with me. And I'm not saying I, I have to be you're just doing whatever I want to do. I'm just saying these are things that I know are part of my purpose. These are things that I know are part of where I'm walking to, where I'm going to. We may come back to this video years from now and be like, oh, wow, look at this. Look at this. Da, 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 da. Who knows? I never leave anything off the table. Like when it comes to things that whatever God can do or Christ can do in our lives, I don't leave any of that off the table. I tell everybody about this. It feels so good to like be here and talk with you yes. on on this this chapter of um or this revisited that we did it might become a chapter i'm thinking about i'll title it when we finally put it up but i think this was very long but it was very 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 
inspiring to to me i hope that you've been able to say everything that you need to say on here i just want to let you guys know that you can follow coleman on purpose now on instagram at c-o-l-e-m-a-n O-N-P-U-R-P-O-S-E and also follow me Deluxe Dave on Instagram you can also follow me on TikTok I'm on DavidJ.Coleman or you can follow Coleman on Purpose on TikTok where I'll put up some of the clips from this and other uh, chapters that I've done with Coleman on Purpose is there anywhere that you want people to follow you or you just know she, everybody that I bring on here usually only Chris has probably been the only person I brought on here that said he gonna give you his just know that this is my my best friend and i thank her for her um her ongoing love for me and i i really do appreciate it thank you for coming on the podcast until next time please remember that you are unique you are loved and you are created for greatness until next time Hello.